Hi, my name is Wale Emmanuel, and you're welcome to a new episode of In These Moments. Today's storyteller is singer, superstar, audio engineer, general badass, Simi. This is a story I'm excited to put out there. Simi and I have been trying to do this for a while, but we finally got a chance to do this a few months ago. And I really enjoyed this conversation because as a love of music, there's nothing better than hearing the story behind some of the songs that you really like, hearing where an artist was while creating a song, and hearing stories that you know you wouldn't normally hear about the creation of songs. Last season, I had Adekule Gold here to share a story, and I set my sights on Simi after that interview because I it just made sense to do it. Simi is fun. Simi is really interesting. I'm sure you enjoy her story. Before we get into the story, don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. That helps more people come across the show. And um, you know the deal. You know, share the podcast, share the story. And if you're interested in hearing extra stories from my conversations with Simi, you can follow me on Patreon where I post extra content. You can subscribe over there. Your subscription helps with the show and it helps to keep things going. Without further ado, let's get into Simi's story. My name is Simisola Bolatitugle. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, sound engineer, and a maestro. <laughs> I don't know if I was actually born, like I came out of my mommy's body in Ojolegba, but I know that I was born when we were living in Ojolegba and I was raised in Surulere. A lot of people assume, well, not assume, Sha, that Ojolegba is the ghetto and it kind of is. It's actually looking much nicer these days. But um, my family was actually really well to do, so I don't know, my dad decided to get a house there. <laughs> I grew up with three elder brothers. That's for my mom. My dad has another kid, but, um, well, we didn't grow up with her. I'm the last born of my mom and the only girl. And so I was, I was actually a tomboy growing up. I don't know if it's because of all my many brothers or just, that was just me. I was a very outspoken child. Always been close to my mom. I think I knew that I liked music when I was around eight. I didn't grow up in a family where there was any music or my parents weren't musicians or anything. I didn't have any siblings that, you know, were into music or anything. I, so I guess for me, it was very, it was very natural, you know, just the idea of melodies and words. I wrote my first song when I was 10. It was a gospel song, you know, so I always was kind of drawn to music. But it's funny because I never really listened to anybody. I didn't really listen to music at the time. I mean, I wasn't exposed to it, so maybe that's why, but like, I didn't start listening to music proper until I was like in university. Yeah, except for the stuff you hear in church. I've only ever been in one choir, and that was my church, my church teenage choir. Because I started out in gospel music, so I was in a group called Outstanding when I was pretty young. We used to rap and sing and dance. Um, obviously, I can't rap. <laughs> You know, but like, I would say that that was where I honed my passion for music because I used to go for rehearsals like two, three times a week and we would just write songs together and yeah. 
I would say I was a daddy's girl and a mommy's girl. My daddy used to spoil me. He used to spoil all of us, to be honest. You know, but like being like his baby girl, you know, I was like super spoiled. Um, my mom, we always had a really close relationship um, because I could tell her anything and she never let me feel like I had to hide things from her. I wasn't scared of her. Actually, of both of my parents, she was the disciplinarian, but like it wasn't like out of control or anything. So I could trust her with boys. You know, information about boys I had crushes on, for example. Just stuff, you know, if I was mad at her, I could tell her. So we're always really close. My dad was more the quiet type, but he would spoil us, you know. He never wasn't much of a disciplinarian either. Like many singers, Simi's background is rooted in the church and gospel music. A former member of the teenage choir, she would later go on to release a gospel album titled Ogadru. I dropped my gospel album two months before I graduated and I had this song out already. There was a song, and it was pretty big at the time. Not a lot of people knew my face. I mean, most people did not know my face as the singer of the song, but like it was a really big song at the time. And I remember like a lot of the students really hyped me up and you know, see you students now, big boys and girls, their laptops, everyone was making noise about the song, you know? So that was a very, very helpful time, especially in three, 400 level, no, 400 level, I think. And you know, as much pressure as there was in the school as a student, a lot of people like really supported me and hyped me up. I was in the choir, but like every once in a while I would do this. Something called Variety Nights. I would go perform there and everyone was so nice to me and so sweet. So that was definitely good. So I got signed to a record label like a year after my service. I served in Abia State in 2009. No, 2008 to 2009. I had gone to the States after my service. And when I, there was this guy that emailed me and said that he wanted to sign me. I think he had heard my album. And me, I was already very wary because of all the stuff I see here about contracts. I actually didn't even want to get signed. I was like, no, but they said all the right things because that's what people do. They say all the right things. And I was like, okay. I asked questions. I was like, mm. at the time, the guy I was dating was my manager. I signed. It was a four-year contract and it did not go well at all. But you know, I'm actually grateful for those days because I feel like it was in that time that I found my sound. I had a nice, cute voice, but I didn't really have like a path musically. Like I didn't really know what I wanted my songs to sound like or anything. So I, I spent a lot of time writing. I wanted them to drop one album like that, but I'm so glad they didn't because all the songs there were shit. They were like fucking shit. <laughs> so I'm actually glad that that never came out. You know, I remember that I went to, there was this year. Okay, so when I was trying to get out the contract, and because I was so aware of how these things could be, I mean, they have more money than me. They have more mouth than me. If I don't do this right, I could get in trouble. A few other people wanted to sign me. But before I went into that, I was like, you know, I have to leave this contract first. You know, and it was really hard. So I waited. I waited it out. Just before it was about to be over, I went, I was sure of, like there was a breach of contract and I could leave. You know, I got a lawyer that, you know, drafted something for me and I just, you know, got out of that. But just before I left, I remember that I went to America. I borrowed money from my aunt and I went to Yankee and I bought this refurbished MacBook. 30 something dollar microphone, USB microphone. And I would just record. I would be downloading bits off of YouTube. I would just be writing. I'll just keep writing, keep writing. And that's when I started learning how to mix as well. I went on YouTube. When I got back home, I made this EP called Restless. I was just desperate. I just wanted a break. You know, I want, I'd been signed to a record label that I felt like I was choking. Then, because I said I don't want to do music, but I have to eat. So I was doing jingles. I was going to um, companies doing jingles and everything. And so I um, started to reach out to 
he's my producer, music director partner right now, Oscar. I remember I used to send stuff to him and he's like, nah, your voice is nice, but this is not it. And he really, really pushed me. He really pushed me because if I respect someone, I want their respect back. And I really, really respected him. And I thought that he had, you know, great music inside. And so I wanted him to respect what I was doing. I felt like, okay, if he hasn't approved it yet, then something is missing. So I kept writing, kept writing. You know, I did my EP. And while I did my EP, I felt like that was it. It clicked for me because the way that I wrote the EP, it was, there were covers. But like, it was strange. It was different because I kept the melody, kept the beats, but I changed the story, changed the lyrics of the whole thing. And then the way I delivered as well, I was like, oh, I think I found, you know, this thing that I was looking for. And I think that was the beginning of my new beginning. I wrote Tiff when I was, um, 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 um. I hadn't even gone signed yet. I was still trying to get Oscar's attention. And then I think I'd already, I felt like I'd found my sound to a level. So I started to write some more songs. And I remember at that point, what I was doing was, because Oscar was working with extreme music. Not working with them, but he was doing some stuff with them. And so I was like, so I knew he was also producing some stuff for Praise, who was signed to Extreme at the time. So I was like, yo, I have a song. Let me give Praise now so that he can feature me on his album. You know, I was just trying to get my in. So take the song on me, but just feature me on the song. And I've been sending him songs for a long time. And then I sent him Tiff and one other song. I actually released it on Omo Shali Champagne years later called Move On. And then he was like, wait, send me something else. And so I sent him other stuff that I'd been writing at the time. So it was like, let's have a meeting. And that was like, that was a different kind of feedback from him. And I was very excited. Tiff was it, but most of the songs I wrote then, they were ballads because, I mean, I didn't have any access to beats or anything. You know, I was just hungry and I had a laptop and a USB mic. And so, and I knew a few chords on the keyboard. So I would just play some doom, 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 doom. And I would just write to it. Yeah. So that was how I wrote Tiff. And it was like, oh, I think you finally hit the jackpot. I think you found what it is we've been looking for. And then he took my mother back to them. Like, you have to sign her. I mean, there was small drama in the middle of that, all that, but like eventually extreme music signed me in 2014. I think that was the same year my daddy died. My parents were separated when I was nine. So, I mean, all that time afterwards, I lived with my mom. I used to, we used to go see my dad, you know, but then he was sick again because he had a stroke sometime and so he was sick for a while before he eventually you know passed away and um it was really hard because i felt like a lot of things it wasn't just losing him it was just i was sad for many things i was sad for all the things that he did not get to see not just you know in my life just in life because my daddy was a hard worker he would he was too he worked too hard you know he was pretty much a workaholic you know and i felt like all these years you gave to to someone else's dreams you didn't get to live your life and enjoy anything afterwards and that i think that on the level that really broke me and i also learned from that i remember like just before he passed i was saying oh i have to go see my dad and i kept pushing and i kept pushing and i kept pushing and then i didn't go so like it was a lot of things for me for years after i would just be randomly i would just be doing something randomly and i would just you know break down crying and it was different things in my head. Her single Tiff received favorable reviews, but it would be two of her songs following it, Jam Question and Soldier, a collaboration with Rapper Files that would take her to the next stage of her career, making her a household name in the process. At the time, I was writing a lot, but like most of the stuff, I was writing like a lot of stories. Most of my songs were stories. You see my first album, there's a lot of stories there, and it was very deliberate because it was fresh. 
I have a relationship with words where I'm trying to tell you something, but I don't want to make it too tedious for you. I don't want to make you work too hard to get what I'm saying. But I want to be saying something. And, you know, I enjoyed writing songs like that. Pretty much all the songs I was writing at the time were like love songs. So I would think of an idea and I'd be like, oh, how can I paint this idea? How can I bring it to life in a story and make it something that people can relate to? You know, and I would take like slangs that people were using and try and make you know, and try and make something out of it. And I think that's what I was thinking about when I made Jam Question. I was thinking, oh, how do you, you know, talk about a girl that is trying to tell this guy, leave me alone, you know, but make it funny at the same time. And that's what I was thinking of. And Jam Question happened. And I had Jam Question for a long time. And I was that was one of the songs I was the most excited about because I just knew, you know, you just have some things and you just, you just know that this is going to be incredible. And Jam Question is one of those type of songs. The idea was for me to drop my album. But after Jam Question, we did Soldier. Soldier was actually my song. I mean, like I said, I had like a lot of songs, stories and everything. And then, but I was like, I'm not going to put this song out anytime soon. So sometimes we just play songs to each other. And he was like, oh, I like this song. Like he wanted us to do the song together, but it would be his song. I said, sure. And so, yeah, he paid me some money. I mean, the money I asked for at the time. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, the song did so much for me. So we did a song together and it was so huge. Everybody loved the song, you know, so it was like from Jam Question to Soldier. And then, and you know, he was on the remix for Jam Question. So everyone is like, oh my God, they have such great chemistry. Both our teams felt like this was an opportunity to, you know, do something we weren't even planning on doing. It was like an opportunity that we didn't even plan, you know, and we felt like it would be smart. So we both talked about it. I was like, I'm not going to push my album beyond this period. So what are we going to do? So we said, well, let's put the EP out. And, you know, we had this whole plan. The EP came out and people like fell in love with it. I was like, oh, wow. And I felt like it was even, you know, it gave great momentum for my album that came like a few months later. Simi Talks Audio Engineering and how she got into mixing and mastering songs. If I feel drawn to something, I want to try it out. Like I said, I started to dabble in mixing and mastering when I was working on my EP, Restless. I mean, I didn't have money to hire anybody. So, I mean, I was learning how to do stuff online. I asked my friends to teach me how to master. That's how I started to do it. And I enjoyed it. If I enjoyed so well and I'm so good at it, then now I don't think anyone is going to be as particular as I am on my own song. If someone else is mixing my song, I'm always complaining about something. But me, I know exactly what I want to hear. So at one time, I started to mix for a few people. I would charge, but it takes so much time, especially the way that I do it. It takes so much time. And so I was like, yeah, I don't know if I have, <laughs> I don't know if I have the time to mix for other people, but I definitely mix for myself. And maybe once in a while, fortunately, if I feel nice enough. Whenever I get to interview an artist, one thing I always want to know is the feeling of releasing their first mainstream project. Simi talks about the release of her self-titled album and how important it became in her journey. It was so beautiful. It was really surreal for me because it was something I'd been looking forward to for years. For years. Like, I could now wait, you know, for people to finally... In my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm the shit, yeah? I'm the actual shit, like... I can actually... I've put in, like, I've put in, like, a lot of work. I know I can do this. Just give me a chance. Let me give me a chance to serenade you, you know? And, you know, finally being able to, you know, find a platform to do that was really special for me. And I feel like it helped me to 
get the kind of fans that I have, which I'm always so grateful for. I feel like they're really, really loyal to me. It was just really special because I, I'd like to think that I'm a very, um, I'm a very honest person. I mean, in the kind of work that I'm doing, like my music, I like to be straight with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I feel like people were sensing that, you know, and just being able to put that into my music and just stamp it in the sands of time. <laughs> it was very special. More from Simi after this short break. For more of my conversations with Simi that didn't make this episode, you can head out to my Patreon to subscribe for extra episodes and exclusive content. Shout out to everyone on the Patreon. I appreciate you so much. Your subscription really helps. It helps to keep things going and it helps to bring you more stories like I'm currently doing. I announced a change in the schedule for the Patreon subscribers last week. The Patreon episodes are going to come two days after the main episode is out. So this Friday, you get the extra stories from Simi's episode. This has gone out today. On Friday, you'll be able to get more from my conversation with Simi. Now, let's get back to the story. She talks about adjusting to life as a public figure while trying not to lose sight of who she is. I think self-awareness is important because everybody has a reaction to it. And for me, I think that what helped was from the get-go, I already was determined. I, I had decided that I would stay true to my, my original personality. Like, I wouldn't try too hard because it's hard to keep that up. I actually got a lot of, like, flack for that in the beginning. I had a lot of people, you know, that would come and post things in my comment systems. Oh, you don't know you're a celebrity. Why not do this? Why you do that? And again, I have pretty thick skin. So, like, I just didn't care, you know, because I knew that the moment I started to hand out to people's expectations and I'm looking the way they want, talking the way they want, being the way they want, it would never end. I could not see myself being that person for the rest of my life. It would basically break my mind, <laughs> you know, and so I was like, this is me. If you don't love me like this, then... I'm not for you and I'm okay with that. So I hope you are too. I made my peace with it. And I think that's why I say I feel like I have really, really nice fans because I think they kind of felt what I was trying to pass across and they connected with that. And um, and now the same people that would bash me before, now they're like, oh, I might be me that you're real. <laughs> she talks about her relationship with her now husband, Adekule Gold their decision to keep their relationship private in the early days of their careers and how they balance their lives as musicians married to each other. I mean, first of all, both of us were musicians trying to, individual, not a band, trying to, you know, get our breaks. And so we were already dating before we both got our break, before we both dropped our first singles. When was I dating? I didn't even know he wanted to take music seriously. When we both dropped our first songs and people was starting to know us and everything. It helped that we got on the same page. I mean, I think it was a little harder for me because I'm I'm more, it's not like I'm a public person that I want to post everything. I'm a hold my hand person. He's more shy and reserved. Naturally, that's his MO, <laughs> you know? So like I had to tweak my psyche a little more, you know, to get on the whole privacy thing. Cause I was like, wow, so this is my life now. You know, at one time I was like, so it's like we're in, we're in an indoor relationship. Because 
<laughs> because you know we're trying to be and it wasn't against it wasn't even against him or it was more against society like what kind of life is this because you know you don't want like all of that attention we're trying to get our break so we don't want attention like you said we don't want people saying oh this person's girlfriend or that person we want them to focus on our music so i knew what i wanted but like i felt like the price was irritating but eventually i made my peace with it like you know whatever we both were on the same page as to being private and just doing that alone you know we're able to date without eyes without unnecessary intention or unnecessary opinions because that can be very burdensome on relationships that can be a lot for people to deal with you're dealing with yourself personally now you have to deal with people's opinions people you don't know people you didn't ask so i think that definitely helped and um because our careers were both we're both doing so well and we both were great support systems for each other as well and he really respected me i mean he still does but i mean at that time he really really respected me my opinion especially you know as an engineer as a, as a writer one of my favorite things about him is when he wants something regardless of who says no regardless of who is looking even if he's biting him and he's feeling sad that people he expects to believe in him not me by the way cuz i believe in my man <laughs> but like if he feels like someone is not giving him kind of energy he expects he will still push like nothing stops him i just really admired that about him and um i think again we both respected boundaries you know cuz as much as we knew that we were both musicians and we were both together we respected boundaries in our individual music careers you know he never tries to butt in or he doesn't ever tries to push me to do something I don't believe in and vice versa. You know, if I give my opinion, he says no, it's fine because I mean I know that I'm not always right. You know, so like that's just my opinion. So I think always being on the same page and understanding and respecting boundaries and also you know really genuinely supporting each other. Like he supports my wins, I support his. When we have disagreements, we we have we communicate by the grace of God. We have great communication. We. Because that's important. I feel like that's actually one of the most important things for a successful relationship to be able to communicate through things. So I think that that's you know that's really helped us. We don't feel like we're musicians dating when we're by ourselves. We're not musicians dating. We're just husband and wife. We're just boyfriend and girlfriend. Omar Charlie Champagne was the last album I gave extreme music before I left. I remember that I wanted to delve into like a fresh, a little bit of a different sound at the time and i knew that there would be some fight back i don't know where the english went to but push back <laughs> and um but it didn't matter to me because i already know the things that i know how to do i already know the things that i'm good at i already know the things that will pop but i want to conquer things i haven't conquered yet and they're actually things that i'm actually i already know that i'm good at but because you know i felt like people were already putting me in a box and if i didn't try to break free then i would never be free it's actually a battle that i still fight some days where there's certain things i want to say but because it's coming from me people are saying it they're not saying it the way that i'm trying to say it to them so i did a machali champagne but i tried to play it a little safe where i still added some of my regular sounds you know songs like ayo charlie move on and then i added some other types of sounds as well the first song on it was a song that i dedicated to my dad charlie champagne and so that's why i named the album Mama charlie champagne the last time i saw simi we were discussing pregnancy and she mentioned she wasn't the biggest fan of a song she released in the early days of her pregnancy so then said i found that really interesting and i had to get her to share the story with you actually i got pregnant and i was going to drop woman that was my plan I was going to drop a man, but I was pregnant and I was like, you know what? I don't feel ready for the song yet. 
I wanted to wait. And so I was like, oh, this year is going to go. I'm not going to drop anything. Although we were thinking if we're going to drop a song, the first studio song on your own record label, you want it to be sent. So I was like, let me just drop anything, you know, whatever. And so I had written Silence, you know, it was just one of the songs I had written. I was like, it's a sweet song. Let's just do it. And I had really, really bad morning sickness my first trimester. And I shot the video through that sickness. I, I mixed the song. That period was very difficult for me. I wasn't even feeling music much at the time. I didn't want to record. I was just over it, Sha. I was like, okay, let's just put the song out. So we put out Silence. So every feeling I had in that time, that energy was in that song for me. In the video, because I, I was sick, I was irritated. So every time I hear the song now, I feel how I felt when I was pregnant. I feel sick, I'm irritated. I still, I don't like, I don't like hearing the song. I don't like playing the song. I don't like anything. I know it's a nice song. I just don't. I just don't connect with it, unfortunately. Simi would see her legacy song, Juju Get Come, a few months into the global pandemic. Created as a love song to her daughter, Adijari, during her pregnancy, the song would go on to be her most successful song. At the time, her collaboration with Laddie Poe on Know You would also become another huge hit. She goes into the story behind both songs and how much of an impact the Cares had in people's lives. Yeah, and Laddie Poe had written that song like two years before. In fact, when he hadn't put it out, I was like, yo, you're going to give me that song? Because, I mean, I really like the song. I was like, give me a song. He said, no, don't worry. We're going to release this. So he told me, I think before April, he said, I'm going to put out a song. I said, oh, you're, you're going to put out a song. I said, okay, but I'm going to put out a song. And he didn't know I was pregnant at the time. So I said, I'm going to put out a song on my birthday. I think it was my birthday or a few days before my birthday. And the kind of song that it is, I don't, I don't want your song to come after it or something. I can't remember. <laughs> I think then I told him I was pregnant. So he said, okay. So he said that we're going to put it out on this thing like two weeks before my song came out. And so he put it out and people really liked the songs. I was like, oh great. I'm so glad that he put it out before, you know, so I could also promote it because if you put it out when I was promoting my own song, it would have gotten a little swallowed on my page. And so, um, after that, I put out Duduke. The hard part was when I was trying to shoot video for the decay because I shot it before I went to the States. And so we were trying to hide. We had security at the beach. I was just trying to be so lucky because I'm like, if this comes out, then the video is fucked up my plans, you know? So <laughs> so we had to um, do everything to make sure, you know, that everything was under wraps. You know, there was the pandemic as well. So it was easy to just, you know, also be as lucky as possible. I actually wrote two different songs with a similar idea of Duduke. And this was the second one. This was the one that I liked the most, that we all liked the most. That's why my heart is like Duduke. And it just, I mean, it just, it just, the thing is that some of my favorite songs come to me the easiest. Some of the songs that someone would think that maybe I work the hardest, they come to me the easiest. They come to me more naturally than the songs they have to fight for. He came to me really, really nice. I was like, oh, this is a vibe. So when people were saying, oh, our baby's name is Duduke, I was like, it's not even a name. What do you mean? <laughs> it doesn't even sound like a name. What do you mean? But um, yeah. We were in um, San Antonio. We went, we just went for the weekend. We went to a Nigerian restaurant and the other restaurant just came and I was like, I heard you were here. And he was telling me about how he and his wife were trying to have a baby. And I think it, it took a while or something. And, you know, she used to dance to the song. And they had a baby and he started crying. And he just like, my heart was like, 
See, and you see, that's the thing. That's exactly why I do music. I like money. I like spending money. I like buying good things and everything. But like, money genuinely does not drive me. When I see people hear my music and they're like, their minds are, and they feel something, it's everything to me, you know? And that experience was so beautiful to me. I was so happy. I went and I gave him a hug. And, you know, it just made me happy to hear that because, I mean, that's really why I'm doing this. I've seen so many stories like that in my DMs, people personally telling me, oh, I danced to this all through my pregnancy. You know, some people that it will say, oh, I'm tapping into your song. I'm waiting for my testimony. So, I mean, all those things, they definitely add up. She talks about being a mother and how much it has added to her life. I just have less time. I have less time. It's both the most incredible thing that's happened to me and the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. You know how sometimes maybe you wanted to start a new business. But like, you know, it's still somewhere on your priority list. I mean, it still has its place. When you have a child, that's your biggest priority. And there's no take backs. There's no, it's constant. You know, I was talking to my brother this morning. He said, the thing with children, you know, it's never ending. You have to keep going. I'm like, yeah. As much as I love to sing, imagine if I could never stop singing. I just have to keep singing on and on and on and on every day. <laughs> and maybe I can take a break to drink water, but then immediately I have to go back to singing. And I think that just finding that balance, you know, and making sure that you don't drop the ball on the important things, you know, because I love being a mom. It's not something it, I didn't want to be a mom just because so just to tick a box. I always wanted a baby girl specifically. So like this is incredible for me. It's just I also love my work, you know, so finding that balance is important, you know, so that I don't also burn out. It's changed me in that I now I have to learn how to be more resourceful with my time. Maybe all this time before I would just be lying down doing nothing for no reason. Maybe if I go on holiday once in a while, good, but like every, I remember like when she was even like much um younger, I, if I had 20 minutes to record, I would jump on it. I would jump on it like a dog because... <laughs> Because one hour became like a day to me. And the funny thing is that I feel like it helped me to be a better writer. Because now I work so much faster. Like a song that might take me three days because I'm a perfectionist. I have to get it just right. I can write that same song in one hour now. It might even be better than if I wrote it like before. So I was telling someone, I said, I would rather be a field musician than be a field mom. You know, because these kids don't ask to be here. I can make any excuses, you know? So like, I have to be the best mom possible, regardless of what it takes. Even if someone is saying, oh, you don't have to, or somebody else can do it for you. Like, this is my job, this is my duty. I take it very, very seriously. It's just, I also have to acknowledge that I need space and time for myself to breathe so I can be an incredible mom. Her fourth album, titled To Be Honest, comes out June 3rd, just over a week from now. She talks about the direction she's going with the album and her headspace at the time of recording this story. Um, I want to explore against the odds. Like, you know, I know the hardest thing for me is not that I'm not able to or that I because I know that I know that I'm a great writer and singer. You know, it's just being able to hit that spot where people can allow me transition, allow me to explore that space without you know telling me how to do it or telling me it's not doable i'm stubborn so i know i'm gonna do it you know it's just like you know just to have strong heads because it's necessary you know people that have done it have had strong heads so i don't mind doing the work and continuing to write because consistency is important regardless of how much success you've attained you can't sit down and assume that you've made therefore it's made forever you know you have to keep working at it so it keeps working the goal is to 
find just hits that spot you know the days where i feel how i felt when i was just trying to when i just got signed or when i was just trying to get signed you're just trying to hit that thing that spot just that you're trying to find it and like i, I feel like i'm a very intuitive person so i feel like i will know when i hit exactly what i'm trying to find like i was ready to drop my album february march but like i felt like there was something missing that i hadn't exactly found i don't i haven't put my finger on it just yet. i'm closer to it than i was like last month but like i still i feel like i still need to yeah i just want to say thank you so much i mean like i've been saying you guys are so loyal and so supportive like even on days when i feel like ugh, you know what i'm tired or I need a break i just feel like they make me they make me feel like it's worth it and makes me want to keep pushing and keep doing this so thank you for making this count making my sh my hustle count you know and for always being there for me and for always because like even the kind of brands that work with me or the kind of people that want to work with me is because of the kind of fans i have because you know they want a part of that so thank you a big thank you to simi for sharing her story i really enjoyed speaking with her simi's honestly one of the funniest people you ever talk to she, she's just she's just really funny um thanks a lot to simi for sharing her story and you know giving us behind the scenes stories like i said earlier simi's fourth album to be honest drops next friday that's june 3rd her latest single, Naked Wire, is out now on all streaming platforms. I'm excited to see where she goes on the album. Uh, I expect it to be an interesting ride, and um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to listen to it, and you know, I'm sure you cannot wait as well. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Like I said earlier, if you want to listen to more of this story, go on patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash don't forget to share this episode, send it to your friends, post it on social media. If you really like this episode, uh, message me. Let me know how you like this episode. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kingwale. That's K-I-N-G-W-O-L-E. You can find the podcast on Twitter at MomentsPod. That's M-O-M-E-N-T-S-P-O-D. And on Instagram at InTheseMomentsPod. Also, if you want to share a story, feel free. Reach out to me on social media. Just let me know that you want to share a story and we'll work something out. Okay, don't be shy. If you want to stay anonymous, whatever it is, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure your identity is protected. Okay, thanks for listening to this episode of the show. I'll be back with you in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, take care of yourself and everyone around you. Bye.